Parenting teens is hard. Parenting teens in crisis is even harder, and we live in a culture that is really good at hiding. You know, we keep these struggles tucked in real tight around us, and so when something happens in our families that's tough and maybe even a little embarrassing, we feel like we're all alone. I promise you that you're not alone. But you definitely need a place where you can be a part of honest conversations that give a voice to the challenges you're facing. A place that normalizes the hard that we have to walk through with our teenagers. So I'm inviting you to join us on this path towards healing, where we'll discuss topics that drive out shame and teach us how to navigate the emotions and uncertainty that come with parenting a teenager facing the juvenile court system. This twice-monthly podcast is presented by Pathways to Hope Network, and we strive to do all of that while honoring the unyielding love a mother has for her child. Hey, Mama. Is it just me, or do things seem harder than usual right now. I am really struggling with just how heavy things feel right now. I mean, I know so many people and part of that is par for the course with, you know, just this uh, this nonprofit organization and the moms that I work with. Things are never rosy. No one's ever calling in and looking to tell somebody about uh, all the great things happening in their life. That just doesn't describe our season. And that's okay, because we will get back there. But I just feel like I needed to acknowledge that things have felt super heavy lately. And man, it is tough when things feel heavy to trust that it won't always be that way. So... I guess I just wanted to start off by acknowledging that and um, thanking you for being here, thanking you for taking the time to honor yourself in this way because these next 30 minutes or so, it's only about you. It's just about you. It's just me and you having a conversation and you being able to put down all the nonsense and all the chaos and all the trying to figure out what to do and how to do it, and it's a lot. So um, I'm glad that you're here. We just wrapped up a series on self-care, and oh man, I hope that there are some of you out there that really have been trying to love on yourself a little bit more. You just need that right now. You really need that right now. This is really hard stuff to go through. And uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about the whole rocks in your pocket analogy before, but you got to have a place where you can empty those rocks out of your pocket. And you can just rest for a little while because this is a long journey, you know, for some of us, um, we got years ahead of us of this battle. And nobody wants to believe that. I mean, we want to believe that just right around the corner, there's a magic solution. But chances are, if you have a kid in crisis, chances are there's not a magic solution right around the corner. It means this is going to be a battle and we're going to have to be able to persevere 
through it. And that's not going to mean that we're sailing through it and it's a breeze and we're able to handle every crisis perfectly and not fall on our face along the way. It just means, you know, we're going to have to be able to get up and do it again and get up and do it again and get up and do it again. And so we need to make sure that you have what it takes to get up and do it again and whatever it looks like for you that day. So if you have not been practicing a little bit of self-compassion or self-care, I just want to encourage you to do that. And if you do, will you please send me an email? And my email's always in the show notes. Just drop me an email and tell me what you did that week for yourself. It would bless my heart so much if I heard from you. I just want you to know that I'm just really, really praying for you. And I know that I don't even know who you are, but I know you somehow found this. So I'm rooting for you. And I believe in you. And the fact that you are listening, the fact that you are engaging in this format means you're still in it. And that is no small thing. So remember that family is a fight for territory and the rent is due every day. The rent is due every day. And so we have to be able to pay the rent. So you got to do what you got to do to make sure that you have the currency available to do that. And that means you got to start thinking about what, what feeds you a little bit. So if this is all new to you, well, you're in luck. There's a whole series that we just did, the last four episodes, where we talked about different ways that you could do that. If you haven't listened to them, then you should check them out. I know that there are some of you who skimmed right over those titles because you were like, I don't need that. <laughs> so if that was you, um, maybe you need that. Okay, so today the title of our podcast is React Less, Respond More, Tips for Practicing Mindful Communication. And reaction is something that is so common for parents who have a struggling kiddo because it seems like once the fires start, they never stop. And so there's always a fire. You're, it's like you barely get one put out. Um, maybe you don't even get it put out. You're just noticing it. And then there's another fire. And we get in the habit of, merely for a sake of survival, rushing from one to the next. And through that process, we never really have an opportunity to fix the problem all we really do is just kind of slow down the spread because there's so many things to react and respond to. All we're able to really do is to try and contain it similarly to what they do when there's a wildfire. We're getting ready to head into wildfire season and when a wildfire takes off, it takes off so fast, the sparks fly in the air and they jump two different areas and what they have to do because it's too big to put out they have to try and contain it and so they go through and they actually control burn certain areas of the terrain and the reason that they do that is because once the fire gets to that place it can't go anywhere anymore it doesn't have the force behind it and so as parents with a kiddo in crisis that's kind of like what we're doing. Like we're just trying to keep these fires from like getting bigger, but we're never able to really put it out. 
And there is the occasion where somebody finds the magic medication that it took or the kiddo, just something speaks to him at youth group, or there are those rare occasions where things like that happen. But for the majority of parents, that's not how it works. Like once we have a kiddo in crisis, it becomes a fire that we're trying to keep contained. And so that may be what you are experiencing right now. So knowing that and how often that can just put us into reactionary mode, how that's the normal, natural response. When there's a fire being lit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trigger your fight or flight. You're going to want to either engage in a power struggle with them to try and get them to do what you believe they should do, or your second tendency is you're going to back way off right? That's flight. And okay, fine. It's all you figure it out. Those are the two extremes. That's fight or flight. And you'll find yourself in one of those two areas the majority of the time because it's the natural, normal human response. But in between those two extremes, when you're emotionally regulated, when you are in a more calm state, even if you are still hyper aware of everything that's going on and waiting for the next shoe to drop, you have an opportunity to work on some things. And so that's kind of where I'm hoping today finds you. I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast if you were right in the middle of a crisis right now, but you're going to find some time, some downtime from those. And, and so those are the areas I kind of want to give you some resources So today we're talking about a more effective way of dealing with these challenges as you're facing them. So let's first talk about when a situation arises, let's say a tiny fire starts and there's chaos going on. You know, you you just found out about another instance, something happened, you uh, just got a call from the school, you just found cannabis in your kid's bedroom, you noticed your credit card was missing. I mean, we can, I think we all know what those situations are like, but we'll say another fire started. Your instinctual reaction is going to be to try and find a solution to that problem. And the first thing I want to start off by telling you is that in these situations, solutions are never solutions. We have a problem that we are able to kind of patch up by giving a consequence, by reporting it to a probation counselor, by grounding them, by you name it, whatever that thing is, we can patch it up, but it's never actually solved. And part of the reason that we're not really working towards solution is because we are still seeking control. So in those moments when you start trying to figure out like, well, what am I going to do about this situation? Your posture is a posture of how do I stop this behavior? How do I control this behavior? How do I uh, minimize the damage, right? Like you're trying to put out the fire and that's challenging to do. So during those times of seeking control, there's no opportunity for connection, One of the things that happens is that when these tiny fires appear, the sense of urgency that we experience within us overthrows what we know is important. So how many times have you reacted to a situation 
poorly and then thought to yourself afterwards, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that or why did I do that? You know, like I totally lost my cool or I could have handled that differently. And the reason is, is because there's a sense of urgency about you and you want to put an end to the situation, at least the situation you're feeling internally as quickly as possible. And so urgency overthrows importance and the important things get kind of pushed aside for later because there's always something new that seems urgent. So what are the important things? If we sat down and had a conversation and I asked you, what do you want for your child? Initially, what you would want is for them to follow the house rules, to respect you, to not use drugs, to be safe in their vehicle, to go to school, to attend class, to try. Those would be all the things that you would want. But if we were to say, oh, okay, what if all of those things were being done? What would you want then? What would be important to you then? And what you would say is, well, I'd want my child to feel like they could come and talk to me when they're struggling with something. Well, I'd want my child to know that I love them. I'd want to have a good relationship with my child. I'd want them to feel like they're always welcome at home. And those are the important things. Those are the important things. And like I said, the important things end up getting pushed aside for later because there's always a new fire that seems urgent that comes up. Urgent things put us in a reactive mode. And when we're in reactive mode, we know because we're feeling defensive. We have a negative attitude, like we're feeling negative about things. We're feeling hurried. We feel a sense of like, I got to hurry up and make a decision. And we have a really narrow focused mindset. We're like laser beamed on this one problem and we can't think of anything else until this situation is resolved. So reactivity demands your attention loudly. It's like, hey, right now, this needs an answer. There's nothing wrong with you for going to that place. Like that's how we are wired. We're wired for fight or flight. That's a defense mechanism that we've been given to keep us safe. The problem is, is that our bodies believe that we're not safe when we're in those situations. Either we're not safe or our loved one is not safe. Either we're not safe or our child's not safe. And it isn't until you're able to calm down and get yourself back into an emotionally regulated state that you can view that situation with some more accuracy as to whether or not anybody's truly in harm immediately. So here's what I want to ask you. What do you think the cost is of this reactivity? What is it costing you? Does it cost you your peace? Does it cost you your relationship with your child? How does it affect how you feel about your child? When you're in constant reactivity mode, how does that affect how you feel about your child? Well, I don't think anybody's going to say it out loud, so I will. You don't really want to be around them. You're not feeling especially loving and kind towards them. You kind of want to just have your space from them. 
It's probably the one time you're glad that there are electronics so that they have something else to do and you don't have to deal with them for a little while. The bottom line is this constant state of reactivity comes at a cost. It comes at a cost to you. It comes at a cost to the relationship. It comes at a cost of how you feel about your child. It comes at the cost of how your child feels about you. See, your solution is if they would just change, then things could be better. If they would change, if they would just change this, if they could just do this, if they could just stop this, then things would be better. But there is a famous quote. I better look it up. Um, I think it was Viktor Frankl. But then you can never be sure because, you know, it might say P. Diddy said it. Viktor Frankl, yes. And I've brought this up before, I'm sure, in podcasts, but it's one that always sticks with me. Viktor Frankl said, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. I'm going to say that one more time. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And when you think about your situation and the last time you had any semblance of control over it, we are challenged to change ourselves. Starting today, your child is no longer the project. You are. Your child is no longer the obsession and the person that you need to fix. You are. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And I want to just give you a little bit of background on Viktor Frankl if you don't know who he is. Viktor Frankl is an Austrian psychiatrist who was a Holocaust survival. And he wrote an autobiographical best-selling book called Man's Search for Meaning. Between 1942 and 1945, Frankl labored in four different camps, including Auschwitz, while his parents, brother, and pregnant wife perished. This book was based on his own experiences and the experiences of others that he treated later on in his practice. So when I say to you, hey, starting now, your child is no longer the project you are. And I quote Viktor Frankl saying, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. I'm saying that from the perspective of somebody who lived through the Holocaust. So they're no stranger to pain and suffering. And I know that for myself, in my own healing journey, that's the process that I had to go through. And listen, I say it all the time. I'm not an expert, but I haven't found any other way around it. So let me just explain the difference a little bit between urgent and important. So urgent is when you are in reactive mode. You're going to be feeling hurried and you're going to have a very narrow focus. It's where you're just going to become kind of obsessive almost on one thought or one situation that's going on with your child. When you are focused on the things that are important, you're in responsive mode. And when you're in responsive mode, you feel calm, you feel rational, and you feel open to new opportunities to connect. By a show of hands, how many of you (laughs) have been in important responsive mode? 
within the last week? Probably very few hands are going up right now. We probably have a hard time thinking about when the last time was that we were able to sit down with our child and we felt calm and we felt rational and we felt open to new ideas and suggestions. So when our focus is on urgent matters, it's focused on crisis, it's focused on last minute preparing of things, it's focused on the problem at hand. Urgent matters are always external. When we're dealing with important matters, those are more things like relationship building, self-care, forming connection with them, taking time to relax, and doing kind of problem prevention. Important matters are internal. And so I know right now it feels like I don't even have the time, Angie, to think about the important things because I'm a full-time firefighter over here. I get 100% that that is your reality likely today. But here's what I want to warn you about. If you wait, then eventually those important things that we just kind of keep pushing aside, that relationship building, that connection, that having time to relax, they end up being urgent things. They end up turning into fires that we then have to put out. So what do we do about it? Well, I would say you question it. In order to get out of reactivity mode and into response mode, there's three things that you can do. So when you feel yourself get into that place, and trust me that I know this takes discipline, hit pause and focus on breathing. Man, just, nope, I feel it. Stepping away from this situation, I'm going to take some deep breaths I'm assessing there's no immediate danger. There is no immediate danger. Okay, I'm going to hit pause. I'm going to come back to this a minute, and I'm going to just focus on breathing. And then I want you to ask yourself, like, do I want this patched up or do I want this solved? Because you're not able to access your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that is responsible for good decision making while you're in a heightened state. So you're not even thinking clearly. So one of the things that you can say to yourself kind of as a mantra in those moments, and it might help to have a screensaver on your phone with this mantra. And you know what? I'll actually do one up for you. A mantra that when you sense that you're in that place, you say, I want to learn how to handle this well, so I'm going to do nothing until I've calmed down. I want to learn how to handle this well, so I'm going to do nothing until I've calmed down. And you're going to take some breaths, you're going to take a walk, you're going to whatever that might be. And then once you're calm, I want you to grab a sheet of paper and write down what happened. What was the situation? You know, I got a call from the probation counselor. This is what's going on. Or, you know, my son uh, took the car. I woke up in the middle of the night and found that the car was gone, whatever that might be. And then what's the impact or the fear behind that action? So again, you can't do these until you're in a calm state, but this is just a way for you to process what's going on inside you because you can stay in reactivity mode. You can stay there, sis, and you're going to wear yourself out. 
You're going to wear yourself out until you figure out a way to handle this situation differently. And so, yeah, does it seem like logical, uh, reasonable advice to say, oh, before you react, why don't you sit down and journal on these things? No, of course, I know that that sounds ridiculous and that it's going to be really challenging to do. But do you want things to be different? Because you can get on the hamster wheel and keep running it, but you're not going anywhere. So somebody's got to break the pattern and it has to be you. Your child's not the project anymore. You are. It has to be you. So that's why I'm giving you these things as a way of processing what's going on and getting you out of reactivity mode. So first, you breathe, you calm down, you say the mantra, I want to handle this well, I will do nothing until I've calmed down. And then you take some time, you commit to, I will not respond to a situation if it is not life or death until after I have processed and I'm in a calm state. So you write down what happened. You write down what the impact of what happened is or what your fear that the impact will be is. You'll write down what might happen next. What might be the next thing that your child is going to do? What might be your next response? What might be the probation counselor's next response? And then you'll write down what's the desired outcome? What do you want? What's important? The first thing you're going to come up with probably isn't the answer because that's going to be the first, okay, well, I want him to stop taking my car, obviously. Yes, you want him to stop taking your car. Well, why do you want him to stop taking your car? Because you want him to have respect for other people's things because you want to make sure that you have reliable transportation. So those are the desired outcomes. I want my son to be safe. I want to be able to have a vehicle that I can use to get back and forth to work. So these are the, you, you start to list those out. And then the last thing you do is you write down what actions should be taken. Okay, now that I know all of this, what should I do? And look it over and you're going to be in a more calm state and you're going to get a better decision. Are you going to get it right 100% of the time? No. Of course you're not going to. You're learning this. This is all new for you too. But you will get a better outcome than if you just react. Okay? So let's talk real quick now what are some barriers to reacting less and responding more. The number one barrier I see here is that it is going to be so uncomfortable to sit and do nothing. Oh my gosh. Your flesh is going to be screaming at you. Your heart's going to be pounding in your chest. You're going to be like the Hulk inside. It's going to be so uncomfortable. And that discomfort is going to make you want to react. That's going to be one of the barriers that you're going to have to overcome. The second is that your body remembers trauma. So no matter what happens, anytime one of these little fires starts or whatever we perceive as a little fire, our brains are going to tell us, oh, this is trouble, and we're going to automatically go into fight or flight. You're going to deal with feeling anxious, you're going to deal with feeling stressed, and you're going to feel emotionally overwhelmed, and those are all three horrible feelings to feel, and your way out of that is going to be to react but your reaction will not be conducive to what you want, to what's important. This is going to require you to break through that pattern. 
you're beginning the process now of developing new neural pathways in your brain. Remember, I want to handle this well. I will do nothing until I have calmed down. So let's wrap everything up today with this. Two things. First, your only job this week is to focus on this one little area, just this area, nothing else. You don't even have to make dinner every night this week. The kids can eat cereal. It's fine. Everybody will live. The only thing that I want you to focus on is this one little area, and I want you to practice it. Practice, practice, practice. Every time it comes up, you remember the mantra. Hopefully, you'll have it on a screensaver if I can figure out how to do that, and you'll practice. And if you fail, you'll try again the next time. And if you fail, you'll try again the next time. There's no failure. There's only improving, getting better at something, learning something, challenging yourself to do something different. So practice, practice, practice. Practice this for the next two weeks and then let me know how it's going. Which reminds me, are you a subscriber? Because on our website, pathwaystohopenetwork.org, you have the opportunity to subscribe on the website. And if you do that, I send out once a week on Mondays, I send out what are called hope notes. And they are typically just a little thought or an encouragement that might give you a sense of purpose or a sense of focus for the week. And I think that it's been pretty helpful. Like I've gotten some good feedback from listeners who it's really been resonating with. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, go ahead and go to our website. It'll always be in the show notes below. And if you get that weekly hope note, then reply to it and let me know how this is going. How has all of this been? What has your struggle been? What have your successes been? You know, maybe there won't be any successes right away. That's okay. Just keep practicing. And I really want you to practice because next episode, we're going to talk about the benefits that we experience when we're able to spend less time in control and more time in connection. And so this is just a part of that process, kind of the first step. So um, like I said, I am just rooting for you all the way. I, I pray that you have the strength to endure every single day and that you remember what an incredible mom you are and that you know you're not alone. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. In complete transparency, I want you to know that I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert in the field of parenting. No, you're not going to find any fancy initials after this name. In fact, you know, I'm just a mom like you who had to navigate some really tough experiences with my teenage kids. And in my own desperate need for hope and healing in my family and in my life, I've spent a lot of time and energy researching and referencing all the things because if there is one thing I have learned... It's that we're stronger together. Your ratings and reviews mean so much. In fact, they can make or break a podcast. So if you found this information helpful today, would you take 60 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review? It would mean so much to the mama who hasn't found us yet and to me. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's 
website. And be sure to subscribe. Each week, we send out one to two messages that are designed to encourage and equip you as you find your path towards hope and healing. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Pathways to Hope Network is a nonprofit organization with a mission to serve families with children in the juvenile court system, and we do that by providing cost-free support, resources, and community. The link will always be in the show notes below. Remember, you were never meant to go through this alone. <laughs>